0: Hi, this is David Sachs with a special midweek podcast on love and raising up fallen love. If you'd like to be part of the Zoom talks that we've been doing, subscribe at Torah on iTunes.com. We'd love to make you a part of the community. Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Alright, good. Well, I'm glad you're here. Um I want to talk about um Nada Vinavihum and and love and especially this this concept of um what they what they talk about as they call it fallen love, which is which is a very kind of Interesting idea, you know. It it's so so. Let, let's connect a couple of things because we have um, with Nadav and Avihu. We have the dedication of the Mishkan. We have their death. We have the fact that they're incredibly holy. We have this whole concept of love. And we have the whole concept of the mishkan being a tikkun for the chet ego So all these things have to come together. So let me just start off with what I think is maybe the most um, relatable part to all of this, and it applies to you and me and and everything like this. And I think I, I saw this from one of the rebbeys. I'm not I'm not sure which rebbe, but um, but. But the idea is like this. When you see something that you like, that you really, really like. So let's imagine you're like way into cars or something like that. And someone, someone drives by with a whatever it is, you know, a Ferrari or something like this. Just something that really grabs your eye. And you go, wow, you know, like that's like all of your attention becomes focused on that and and don't just think about ferraris fill in the blank it could be a house it could be it could be a a watch it could be you know something in the window of um a jewelry store uh, it it could be anything it could be someone else's husband or wife or or whatever it is kids whatever it is but something that just sort of like you look at it and it captures your attention and then at that moment like all you can think about is how much you love that thing, or how much you're drawn to it? so 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 the Torah is teaching something very, very interesting here that that this is the concept of fallen love and and what does that mean exactly? that that at that point, you are directing all of your love to something other than God and that god basically kind of like knows that about you and knows that this is say i don't want to say a weakness but maybe a, an aspect of your character that you still have to lift up because right now it's sort of like um like to use a more kabbalistic terminology it's 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 trapped in the in the in the klipot in the chitzonius, right in other words it's this aspect of ourselves that that hasn't been raised up yet our love for some object our love for something other than hashem is sort of like stuck in a ferrari so to speak right so what hashem does is he shows us this thing wherever it is our love is trapped he shows us this thing and and you have to have in mind like imagine that there's like a fisherman, like up in the sky, right? Kaviochol, <laughs> like Hashem, so to speak, is like a fisherman, and this Ferrari or this or this diamond something or this 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 watch is like the fishing hook. And so, what what the idea is right now is is that you have an opportunity when you see something that you're really drawn to. To, to, to think to yourself, ah, oh, this is my opportunity, like a fishing hook being reeled up, is to reel up this aspect of my fallen love right now and to elevate it toward heaven. So again, let's just review that because this is a very big idea. If you can do this with your life, you're, you're really going to rock and roll. You're really going to climb the spiritual ladder to be sensitive to the idea that when you when you see things that you're like really drawn to and is like taking your attention away from your love of God that that's God alerting you in other words in other words here would be the um the simple way of saying it but it would be the um it, it would be uh, unsophisticated or 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 naive to understand it this way you go oh um this, this thing, this, this beautiful woman, this, whatever it is, this, um, this, 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 this catalog that I just got about a cruise to Alaska, whatever it is. I'm looking at it and it's a temptation. It's like a temptation. And God wants to see, am I going to go to that or am I going to not, or am I going to just direct my attention and my love to him? Okay. That's, 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 that, that's a level, but it's kind of a low level. It's kind of a low level. What we're saying is that there's, that there's bigger than that. That what a person can do is when they see something that they're drawn to, that they're attracted to, something that's, um, physical or materialistic, that that's God giving you the opportunity to lift up that aspect of yourself and to give it back to God. Does everyone understand that idea? Are you getting that idea? No. Can you clarify that? I'm not. I'm not uh, quite getting that. You're, what, 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 what's your What's your question, Jeff? When you trying to that that tie before something physical you're supposed to uh, turn that into uh, a love for, for God? Right. So so this would be the sort of the playbook. Um, let's Let's use the Ferrari example. I mean, it's kind of an idiotic example, but let's use it. So the person the person sees the Ferrari, and it's sort of like captured their attention. But what we're saying is something even deeper is going on right now. God knows that you love Ferraris, and God put that Ferrari there for you at that moment so that you could identify that aspect of yourself, that there is a part of yourself that right now is connected to Ferraris on the love level, as opposed to God. <laughs> see, see. Let me put it to you this way. One of my favorite stories, Hasidic stories, is, um, I believe it was the the who. Anyway, they they he was known as the angel. I I, I forgot who he was in Hasidic lore. I'm not sure who he was. Maybe he was the son of the Maggid of Mezrich. I'm not sure who he was. Anyway, he was one of the early great great um, Hasidic figures, and he was very very refined. And the Berditchov Rebbe, right? Um, like he he wanted to come to his house for Shabbos so much, and he wouldn't invite him. And you know so. So finally, the 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 of Rebbe is like, please, please, I'm i I really want to come to your house for Shabbos, and he said, listen, I'm not inviting you, because I have a very refined Shabbos, and you go nuts, right? Because the Berditchover Rebbe was known for like, like his his davening was 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 unbelievable. Like he would just he would start in one side of the room, end up in the other side of the room. He would do somersaults and like. All sorts of stuff, right? In fact, one of my favorite stories in the world, I heard it from Reb Shlomo, was that back in the day, even at the time of the Berditchover, right, you had you had nightclubs and you also had comedians. So you know this is not a this is not a new thing, and you know just like all comedians and things like that, they're they're always looking for a new act. Um, they always have to have new material, and so this particular comedian. Decided that what he was going to do was to get on stage and to imitate the way the Berdichever Rebbe davened, right? And so, you know, you can imagine who's going to a n- nightclub at, at this period of Jewish history. And so this, this, this comedian gets on stage and he starts imitating the Berdichever Rebbe davening. And you know what happened? Everyone in the audience started crying and doing tshuva. Right? So, so the Berditch of Rebbe, like he was like wild in terms of his expression of love for God. So that's why the the angel told him, "I'm, I'm not having you for Shabbos because you're, you're just going to make a ruckus." And the 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 the, the of Rebbe promises him. He says to him, "No, he says, I'm going to be really good. I'm going to be really really good." So, so he says, "Okay, you can come." So he he comes for Shabbos and and like, you know, Shalom Aleichem, Kiddish, everything like this, you know, he's he's holding it together. And they had someone who was, you know, like a servant who is who is serving the meal. And you know, you start off with with the fish. And I guess this is a way of speaking in in Russian or something like that, some idiomatic way of speaking in Russian. The, the tradition at that point was to have, um, sweet fish and, and fish that wasn't sweet. So you, you had your choice, right? So the waiter comes up to the Berdichever Rebbe and he says, do you love sweet fish or the other fish? And the Berdichever hears, hears that and he goes, I love God. And, and he, he throws up his hands. And he knocks the fish tray up in the air, and the fish lands on the tallest of the Rebbe, who, who's like, I'm not inviting you because you're going to make a ruckus. And it stains his talus. Right? And, and this is the... Really, I mean, in my opinion, every part of this story is amazing. But this is really even more amazing is that this Rebbe, who was really so refined, refused to have his talus cleaned. Because he said, this is the stain, this stain was made by someone who really loves God. And that talus was handed down, and, and the next person who got it, I forgot all the names, the next person who got it would only wear it on Shabbos, because it was so holy. And then the person who got it after him only would wear once a year a Yom Kippur. Because it contained a stain from someone who really loved God. And then finally the last person was buried in it. So, so this idea of love, we have to be like in our lives, we have to be sensitive to this word love. And we have to be really protective of it. We have to be really almost jealous of this word love and the use of this word love. Like, you know, I, I don't know, and this must be a quarantine thing in my just procrastinating yesterday. I, I looked online to see... um how people were rating the films of Wes Anderson, right? Who? <laughs> and I saw there were about five different, five different, um, yeah, five different ratings, right? Of like different combinations of who, who, who loved, who loved what film the most. And, and why did I go on that at all? Because I love Wes Anderson. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. After you hear about the Rebbe who throws his arms up in there and says, Which fish do I love? I love God. Right? Like how can you how can you say, Oh, I love Wes Anderson? How, how could you how could you even how could you even use that turn of phrase? Oh. Oh. So so again, I, I I don't want you to think that I'm being anti arts. Or anti-culture, or anti-intellectual, because because if, if if that's what you're hearing from me right now, you're, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. David, I'm sorry. Can you? I think some people may not know they're on. If you could mute everybody so that we can hear you, because it keeps popping around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to do that. Uh, uh, where where is that? Um, where is that? Uh, that ability. If you're on a laptop, I think it's like your your lower left. I think I think there's a way to mute participants, or maybe the top right. I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna. There's definitely a way to do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do my best here. I've got mute my audio. No, you shouldn't mute your audio. Yeah. You should mute the Rosenberg's audio. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So whoever hasn't, I think whoever didn't mute their audio has now muted their audio, so we're okay. Um thank you. So so again or, or maybe not. Um so let's see. Uh, okay, I think everyone's muted now. So 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 again, what what, what I'm what I'm asking you to be sensitive to what i'm trying to make you aware of and we'll get back to this idea of fall in love and everything like that in a moment is to understand that uh, that the word love is 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 a special word it's a, it's a special it's a special word and really it should just be used in terms of our relationship with god we have to reclaim that word and again, don't don't think that I'm being anti-culture or anti-intellectual or something like that. Like I can't say I, I I love the works of Shakespeare. That's what you're telling me. I can't say that. That is what I'm telling you. Yes, you you cannot say that. You can say I prize the work of Shakespeare. I'm inspired by the works of Shakespeare. I I he is. He is, in my opinion, the, the greatest writer in English. You can, you can say all of those things. You can show total appreciation. But to be sensitive to the use of the word love. Love is for God. Love is for God. And so now let's return back to this idea and hopefully, um, hopefully it will be clear what, what I was trying to say before. What Hashem will do is Hashem will show us where our love is trapped right now. Our love can be trapped in all sorts of different places. Okay? You know, there's a great country western song, right? I'm looking for love in all the wrong places, right? If you know that. Um And what we have to understand, let's go a little deeper now, okay? What we have to understand is on a very very deep level when a person is when a person is drawn to something other than God they're looking for God That, that that's actually what's going on. So I'm going to tell you a story. It's it's one of the best. It's one of the best things I know. Um, Reb Shlomo said this um, years ago uh, on Rosh Hashanah, and it's it's from the Rishon Rebbe. And there was a period in my life where I would say this every Rosh Hashanah before the, uh, before the happy minyan. And 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 here's how it goes. It's a Rabshalma said, I'm gonna take the Torah of the Rishon Rebbe, he said, I'm gonna put it in my words. So he was talking about the judgment of the second day of Rosh Hashanah. But you'll see how this ties into love and 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 what we've been discussing up until now. So he says, Imagine you know you're on the subway and you look across the subway and you you're just drawn to this other person and it's it's clear to you that that person's your soulmate but you you don't have the the courage to to approach that person right because that's that's hard to do right and then the subway pulls into your stop it's your stop and the doors open and you think to yourself it's now or never and so you you say something to the person and 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 you start to get the person's phone number, but you just get the first three digits of their phone number, and then you have to leave the subway. So so I don't know if you know this, but the first three digits of the of a, of a seven digit phone number is the neighborhood of the person, okay? So Reb Shlomo made a joke. He said, "Let's make it from." So he said the first three er, the first three digits of the Borough Park number. I forgot what they are. Okay. So the person is is desperate to find is desperate to find that person from the subway, and so they get in their car and they start driving around the neighborhood, right? And and all they're doing while they're driving is they're looking out the window trying to see if they can see that person from the subway. Now listen to this. While they're doing that, they're running one red light after another. Do you understand? They're looking for the person they love from the subway. And while they're looking, they're running one red light after the other because they're not keeping their eye on the road. At a certain point, they get pulled over by the police. And the policeman says, you know, one red light, two red lights. But this is too much already. He says, I'm, 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 I'm taking you in to see the judge. So, okay, wh- wh- what can you do? So the person goes to the courthouse and they walk in to see the judge. And who's the judge? It's the person from the subway. <laughs> And and the judge says, listen, there's time to judge you. But right now, just come up here and sit next to me. <laughs> I want to be close with you. <laughs> so from that, you see, you know, in terms of Rosh Hashanah, in terms of Hashem as judge, who is the one who's judging you? The one who loves you the most. Okay, so now what's going on on a very deep level with that story that I just told you? That's from Reb Shlomo. So this is what I think he was trying to communicate on one level anyway. The person's running red light after red light. That means in our life we're making mistake after mistake. While we're looking around for the thing that we love the most. That means that When a person is connecting to lower things, really on the deepest level, they're looking for God. But they're looking in the wrong places. They haven't elevated that aspect of fallen love in their life. That love is still attached to materialistic things. So now let's go back to the teaching that we started with. What Hashem does when He shows us things that we love that are materialistic things in our life, what Hashem is doing is giving us an opportunity to identify that we've misplaced our love and stuck it in something material in order so that we should have insight into our characters and be able to uplift that love and return it back to God. Is it, Jeff? Are you understanding now? So again, with with that, let's let's be practical. Let's let's be practical because this is a very very practical lesson. This is like a big, this is a big gateway for us in order to really rise higher in terms of our our, our spirituality and our relationship with God. The first step is to identify when something has, like, captured us, right? Like, if you, you know, if you look in a catalog and your eyes, like, open a little too widely, right? Or you see, like, you know, someone is cooking something and, you know, you smell something and you go, and your eyes open a little too widely. There should be, like, an alarm going off in your head, like, ah, misplaced love, (laughs) fall in love. (laughs) Again, I just want to make sure that we're communicating. That doesn't mean you can't like things. It doesn't mean that you can't appreciate things. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy things. You can do all of those things. But make the distinction between liking and enjoying on the one hand which is totally fantastic and loving and save the loving for that unique unbelievable special relationship that's for God that's for you and God that's that private that's that private love affair listen for for I think everyone who's on this call is married. You know that there are certain things, you know, private things that's just between you and your wife or you and your husband. You know that. Everyone has that. It's just between the two of you, whatever it is. So what I'm saying is that we have to cultivate that type of consciousness between us and God. And that's one of the most important things. I mean, if, if a person wants to break through in terms of their spirituality, in terms of what it really means to be a Jew as, as, as Torah understands it, that special relationship has to exist. And the way it exists is by saving stuff and making them just private and special between you and your creator between you and the master of the universe you know what makes what makes two entities close like nothing else and i'll tell you what it is secrets when you have a secret between you and someone and you know that the other person's not telling anyone else, and you know that you're not telling anyone else, that secret creates a really intense special bond between the two of you. You see, this is why the tzaddikim, when they would do like big mitzvahs, they wouldn't tell anybody. They would keep it secret. Because they would understand that this was like a private special thing between them and God. Now, there are a couple of exceptions to that rule, which is if you're a teacher or if you're a parent, you can tell your students or you could tell your um, children what you did. But you're telling them not like, hey, look what I did. Look how special this is. You're telling them because you're teaching them, this is a special way to serve God. And then, even though you've told someone, it still stays in the category of a secret. Right? But for the most part, you're not talking about it at all. Okay. Now let's go back to Nadav and and we'll begin to just understand how this all of this everything we've been talking about up until now connects with the Parsha. Why was there a Mishkan? And and the the the, the simple answer is is because we made the, the golden calf. And what was the problem with the golden calf? The golden calf became a magnet for our love. See, remember, you know, there's a lot of teachings about the golden calf that we thought Moshe was dead and then we wanted a leader to substitute for him and everything like that. All that's true. But let's kind of keep on digging, 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 because we have to get to the core of what the problem was. Okay? The core of the problem was that we danced around it. And I think the rabbis even said that we made like orgies, believe it or not, around it. Okay. In other words, it became a magnet for our love. And if you remember the conversation between Yehoshua and Moshe Rabbeinu, before Moshe smashes the the luchos, the tablets... Is Moshe really only gets like really super annoyed, right? When he says like Yoshua says, It sounds like there's the, the uh like a, a, a war cry down there. And Moshe goes, No, they're parting. Right? They're they're that's not that's not a war cry. They're 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 like they're celebrating. By the way, I, I wanted to say this Torah um just as an aside, but we'll get back to this idea of the the eagle being a magnet for our love, unfortunately. Yehoshua was Zocha, he merited to be the next Rebbe of of the Jewish people, right? Which is awesome because you know there were you know, that's the Dea. that's the generation that left Egypt and got the Torah at Mount Sinai. I mean, there were beyond, 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 beyond holy people there, you know, alongside Moshe. But Yehoshua got the appointment. And I personally just wanted to say this Torah, that, um, that Yehoshua said that he heard the sound of war. And I wanted to say that, that that was one of his merits. In other words, he heard that people were battling their own not to not to participate in the golden calf. What he heard was the struggle not to fall into that temptation. That was the war cry that he heard. And because he understood that the Jewish people were vulnerable and that they were actually trying and making an effort for becoming a defender of the Jewish people there, that's why he had the merit to take over after Moshe. That's just a thought, but a side thought. So so we see what the core problem was. And I'm, I'm, I'm quoting right now from the Eretzvi, um, that that was the, the iker khayt, the, the iker wrongdoing, the, the central wrongdoing of the, of the, of the sin of the golden calf. And how was the mishkan the correction of that, the fixing of that? Because we were able, the mishkan, the idea was to take all of our love that we misplaced by putting it into the golden calf, and to collect all of that love, and to put it in one central place, which was the Mishkan. To take all of that fallen love, and to lift it up, and to take all the gold that we had given, to make the the golden calf, and to take that gold and more gold, and to bring it to God and bring it to the base to bring it to the Mishkan, which is the the base of Mikdash. So does everyone understand that, how the Mishkan was a correction for the fallen love of the of the golden calf? Do you get that? Now, Nadav and Avihu, Nadav and Avihu, Nadav means gift, which is coming from the concept of love. And Avihu, the Eretzvi again says, also comes from the word love. Both of them were taking all all of the love and bringing it up to bringing it up to god that's that's what happened when their souls flew out of their bodies they were just like lifting up all of the all but he says you know something there was a bit of strange fire so so again the the simple way of learning strange fire is they took the fire from the wrong place in the mishkan and then they brought it and they lit something in an incorrect procedural way. But he wants to say that fire means love. And what does it mean that they brought strange fire? That when they were elevating all the love of the Jewish people in this place of love, which was the Mishkan, which was the correction of the golden calf, they picked up just a tiny bit of misdirected love. And that's what kind of just you know, you know when they make microchips and things like that, you see everyone's work, we're wearing these hazmat suits. You know, there there can't be like like the smallest bit of anything. Just we 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 see that just in like the just in making a, a chip. How much more so in terms of like the dedication of the 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 mishkan right, which is. By 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 some by two people who Moshe himself said, not of a who are holier than me and you. The problem is, is that when you get into the realm of love, it's really an unstable compound, and um, the Eretz says. Something very interesting. Here, I'll give you an example. I was talking to someone recently. And we had just met and we got into a conversation about Torah. And it got very deep, very fast. And, you know, we're we're actually still in touch. I met met this guy in Buenos Aires. And um, really a nice guy, like, very sweet guy. Anyway, he's mentioning his girlfriend. And normally, I wouldn't have said this to him, I wouldn't have asked him this question, but we were really communicating on such an intense level. I said to him, I said, Your girlfriend, I said, is she Jewish? And and he says to me, Um, You know, I never asked. And so I said to him, you know, you should find out. I said because right now it sounds like you're not so in love with her yet. So you still know that you're supposed to marry a Jewish girl. But if you get a little bit more in love with her, you're going to you're not going to know that anymore. <laughs> and so with the eretz Tzvi Says very interesting is that when someone does wrongdoing, whatever it is, whatever it is, I just gave that as an example, but whatever it is, let's say I eat a McDonald's hamburger, right? Whatever it is. Listen, listen to how clearly he says this. You make your taiva, right? Taiva, let's, let's translate as uncontrolled desires or intense desires. When a person does a wrongdoing, something against the Torah, they make their intense desires stronger than their intellect. I'm going to say that again, because that's a great bit of Torah math. When a person does wrongdoing, what they do is they have strengthened their desire over their intellect which means that a person simply put can't, can't think clearly anymore because their desire is higher than their intellect at that moving forward and you see it all the time you know we 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 use the term rationalizing that's what rationalizing is like that's a spiritual definition for rationalizing rationalizing means you know something is wrong but you found a reason to do it anyway, because you want to do it so much. That's what rationalizing is. But do you hear how the Eretzvi is saying it? He's, he's using Torah math to say it so, so clearly, so beautifully. He's saying that when a person does wrongdoing, their desires become stronger than their intellect. So how do we how do we reverse that problem? How how do, how do we how do we save ourselves? Right? And the answer is by elevating fallen love. If we can if we can reserve that word love and just make it between us and God. If we can be sensitive to the fact of when our eyes like open wide, right? Like when we're sort of like overcome with like like this extra level of desire and then just say, oh, and make it a God moment. So, so how do you do it? Let's say you walk by a barbecue, right? And there's like this sizzling thick steak and it's so delicious, right? And you're hungry and your mouth is watering and it's just it's made it was marinated it's it's made exactly the way you like it. So 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 let me give you a case study in what we're talking about and we'll we'll stop with this, okay? This is the how to that's going to take everything that we've learned today and just put it into one example. So first your eyes like widen like your mouth is watering and you go, "Ah, that looks so good." And then you think, wait a second, I've created this love affair between me and the steak. I'm I'm conscious of that now. And now you're ready for this? Here's where it all happens. You go, God, thank you so much for giving me this steak. (laughs) Do you see what happened? You took a taiva moment, a lust moment. And you turned it into a relationship, private, you and God special moment. Do you see what happened? You walk by Tiffany's, right? And in the window is like this watch that's like unbelievable, right? And you go, wow. And then you go, oh, God, you put such beauty into the world. Wow. You're such a craftsman, God. You don't just make people. You don't just make planets. You don't just make galaxies. You also make watches. Ah, It's beautiful. Again, you took this taiva moment and you turned it into this special love moment between you and God. And if you want to go even deeper, the Eretzvi says that there was actually not just your love trapped in that watch, not just your love trapped in that stake, but just holy sparks. And what you've done is you've taken them out of the chitzonios, out of the klipot, and you've returned them back into the tzara Kadusha, the site of holiness. Okay, so I want to bless, bless all of us, bless me, bless you, and as Reb Shlomo would say, bless me back. That um, that we should just use the word love. That we should become sensitive to the word love, and remember the berditch of a Rebbe. I don't love fish. I love God. Right, to carve that moment. Right? And to remember that stain, that stain of the talus. This is the stain of someone who really loves God. He wouldn't clean it to the point where Rebbe's two generations or three generations later only would wear that talus once a year on Yom Kippur and was then buried in it. To understand that that word love is is just, that's just for you and God. And that if you want to cultivate that love, you have secrets. Just like you have secrets with your wife, your husband, you have secrets between you and God. Right? And I'm not talking about the bad things that you're doing. Chas v'shalom. I'm talking about the great things that we're doing. Right? And um, And then to use... Opportunities where you're like super drawn to something. To remember that this is like ah, what an opportunity, and then you turn that that tie of a moment between you and that object into this beautiful, beautiful expression of love between you and God. Okay, guys, have a a great, great week, a great day. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was beautiful. Okay. David, I love you. Love you back. Sure. Take care. Thank bye-bye. You, David. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for our new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.